Mate, what's going on? Welcome to episode 40 of the Exponential Performance Podcast. In this week's episode, we talk about excess post-exercise oxygen consumption and talk about how to adjust our training when we're working shift work. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Exponential Performance Podcast. Join sports scientist and performance coach Maddie Graham to find out how to train smarter and maximize your performance no matter who you are. G'day mate, it's Maddie Graham here from the Exponential Performance Podcast. Welcome to episode 40. It is good to have you here. I hope you've had a good week on the training front and things are looking good this week for you. Now, just before we crack into things this week, I just wanted to mention a couple of things that came up after last week's episode of the podcast. Now, first thing was about the Performance Temple. A few people asking, well, what's this Performance Temple um, ebook that you mentioned? So what the Performance Temple is, is, uh, is an ebook that is the accumulation of what I've learned over the last 10 years working with athletes from a wide range of different sports, my university education and my self-guided study and own experimentation in training and competition and endurance sports. While there's no shortcuts for training, there's definitely smarter ways to train. And the aim of the Performance Temple is to give you the required information to take your performance from wherever it is now, it doesn't matter where it is, to towards your performance goals. So rather than just focusing on the physical aspect of training, which a lot of people do, the Performance Temple integrates all of the key aspects that are vital for performance. So the reason it's called the Performance Temple is that it's based on this shape of a temple, if you like, like a Greek temple. So the underlying foundation is health and well-being and social support. Now, on top of that, there are four key pillars, nutrition, function, recovery, and psychology. These four key pillars support this, the roof. And the roof is your traditional triangle shape. And that there is what I refer to as our physical training or our, or our physical periodized training where we focus on technique skills, then build on endurance, strength, speed and power on top of that. Now the whole concept is that it doesn't matter how big your roof is, how much endurance you have, how much strength or speed you have, if the underlying support of the four pillars and the foundation have cracks in them or aren't as strong, they can't support the roof. So if you want to check out the Performance Temple, you can get a free introductory copy to that. Simply go over to exponentialperformancecoaching.com and you'll see the free download link there. If you want to know more about the four key pillars of nutrition, function, recovery and psychology, there are separate handbooks that can be purchased at a low price uh, or as a set uh, to cover each one of those and they go into more in depth. But if you have a look at the introductory ebook, 
it explains a lot around those concepts anyway. And I think what I'll do uh, in future episodes of the podcast, I'm going to start going through each of those key areas of the performance temple just to give you a little bit more of an insight into that and hopefully give you some information that you can use. If you ask a voice question on the podcast, if you go over to exponentialperformancecoaching.com slash ask and leave me a voice message over there, I will send you a free package which includes the four performance temple pillar handbooks. So that's the, the nutrition, the function, the psychology and the recovery handbooks for free. So if you want to get in a free copy of those, go and ask a question and I'll send them through here. Also, if when you're over at the Exponential Performance Coaching website, if you want a little more help or you need a little more help, go and check out some of the training plans and ebooks that are over there. I've got a bunch of training plans uh, for specific events, or there's the likes of a 100 mile mountain bike plan that can be applied to any 100 mile mountain bike race. There's a time saver cycling plan that can be used for those that don't have much time. We've got a marathon plan, half marathon plan, and also an enduro mountain biking plan. Also, there are training plans specific for different races. So if you are in need of a little more assistance, but don't want the specific personalized coaching, these plans and eBooks are a great place to start and very cost effective as well. So get over and check those out. If you've got any questions about any of those, just let me know and I can answer the questions around these. Hey, just one more note. In a couple of weeks time, we are gonna have Cliff Harvey on the podcast. Now, who the hell is Cliff Harvey, you're asking? Well, if you remember back to episode 28, I did a little bit of a review of a book called The Carb the Carbohydrate Appropriate Diet. Now, Cliff Harvey is the dude that authored this book. He does a lot of stuff about carbohydrate appropriate eating. He talks about ketosis, uh, high fat, low carb, that sort of thing. He's going to come on the podcast and we are going to bombard him with as many questions as we can about this. So if you have any questions you would like him to answer about carbohydrate appropriate eating and endurance sport, please send them through to me via email or on Facebook, on Twitter or on Instagram and I will do my best to get them to them so we can provide some answers. If you haven't listened to episode 28 yet about the carbohydrate appropriate diet, make sure you get over and have a listen to that and that'll give you some insight into it. So our first question. Hi, my name is Rachel and I'm from Ventura, California. Recently I've switched from weightlifting to high intensity interval training and I'm noticing a lot of differences in the way that my body recovers from HIT. For one is the afterburn effect. Regardless of the type of training, I tend to do two days at the gym, one day off, two days on, one day off. But with HIT, after that second day of working out, I come home and hours later I feel overcome with heat, like an intense fever that lasts the rest of the night and sometimes I feel like I'm going to die. I want to understand more about this epoch period. 
I was hoping that you could cover the afterburn effect from a scientific viewpoint in your podcast. In my own internet digging, it seems like people are torn between saying the afterburn effect helps you burn more calories up to X amount of hours after your workout, but a vast majority of research seems to suggest that it makes little to no difference at all. I have a hard time understanding why my body might be experiencing these feverish symptoms if it's not actively burning calories, or I wonder if perhaps I've worked too hard and have damaged my body into this panic repair. I just started tuning into your podcast, so if you've covered something like this, um, point me in the right direction, or if not, I hope you can include this in your next podcast. Thank you. So Rachel, thank you very much for that question. It's a, it's a very interesting one, and I'm going to do my best to answer it, uh, and hopefully provide you with some background knowledge, so you can equip yourself when you're next uh, heading into a session and then also some practical advice as well. So EPOC or the afterburn effect, what are we actually talking about here? Well the EPOC, E-P-O-C, stands for excess post-exercise oxygen consumption. Now what all that means is that if you're at rest, like I am at the moment sitting here talking to the microphone. My body is consuming a certain rate of oxygen. We're always consuming oxygen, that's why we breathe. We always keep breathing because our body needs that oxygen. Now it's not a whole lot of oxygen. So as we're breathing here, our body's using oxygen. Obviously when we exercise, depending on the level of exercise, our body needs more oxygen. Now the interesting thing is, is that when we stop exercising, the amount of oxygen that we consume doesn't just rapidly drop back to baseline immediately. What happens is there's this epoch effect where we stop exercise, but our body continues to consume more oxygen than when we were at rest. Now this is called epoch, or the afterburn effect as a lot of people call it. Now, there's a rapid component and a prolonged component. So over the, the first hour, your rate of oxygen consumption drops very quickly. If you can imagine you've been out running, you've been pushing hard, and you stop, you breathe quite quickly at the end of the session. But within 10 minutes, you're probably you know, breathing three quarters of what you were doing when you were exercising hard. So the initial component or the rapid component decreases very quickly and then there's a prolonged component that sort of plateaus but continues back down towards baseline over the next 12 hours. Now for most people you should be back down to baseline around about 12 hours following. Uh, for some people depending on the exercise this may be elevated for a longer time after that. So why do we consume more oxygen after exercise? Well, after exercise, our body just can't stop because it still has work to do. When we were exercising, we burnt a lot of energy, so we need to replenish that energy. And all of our energy replenishment happens through our aerobic energy system. And aerobic energy system obviously requires oxygen. We also need to remove uh, metabolites or waste products from the body. 
we need to cool ourselves down because we got hot. Uh, and that requires circulation and ventilation. As, as in our, our, our blood pumping around our circulatory system helps offload heat. And our ventilation helps remove those waste products in our blood um, by breathing out carbon dioxide, for example. So the first thing is we need to uh, replenish all of our energy. So all of these things require oxygen because the aerobic energy system is replacing all of these. So with this excess consumption of oxygen following exercise, yes, there is also an increase in the amount of energy burn or calories burnt, as everyone loves to refer to burning calories. But this has been hyped up, as I, as I said. But when we think about it, it is an important thing as well. So when or how can we get the biggest epoch? Okay, so when does the biggest epoch uh, happen and it is when there's the biggest disturbance in homeostasis now if you remember back to high school science class you might remember the word homeostasis and homeostasis uh, can be defined as the stable state of an organism uh, and of its internal environment so the body is always trying to maintain uh, a normal internal environment so if you go and disturb it as much as you can, you're going to get the biggest epoch following. So if you go and do really hard exercise or really long exercise, this is going to disturb your internal environment the most. Now the signs and symptoms that you displayed, Rachel, um, following this uh, high intensity interval training you've been describing, don't really sound like a traditional epoch uh, or afterburn. It, it does sound like yeah, you push yourself so hard that you're getting a fever-like response, which potentially not the most positive thing. But when you have been giving it heaps with your training, this often does happen. Or depending on the temperatures where you live, this could be to do with the heat rather than just the exercise itself or your conditioning to that training. So if you're not used to the training, you've gone out and done a really hard session, you're obviously going to disturb your homeostasis very, very, in a very large amount, uh, and then that can make you feel quite unwell afterwards. But I'm not sure if it would be specifically uh, due to the excess post-exercise oxygen consumption. So with that EPOC, if we're looking at how to make the biggest one, the duration of your exercise actually has a linear correlation with epoch so the longer your exercise the larger the epoch is afterwards with intensity it is almost an exponential relationship between intensity and exercise so the harder your exercise is the greater the epoch will be afterwards so obviously with duration, you can change your duration a lot. You can go really, really long. And so not only are you using more energy during the session, but after the session, there's going to be that epoch there as well. With intensity, there's less of a degree that we can change our intensity 
as it relates to duration as well because you can't go super super hard for super super long so there is a bit of a sweet spot in there where you can uh, disturb your homeostasis the most uh, for quite a long period of time obviously and that will produce a very large epoch so when it comes to those people in the health and fitness industry i hate that word i definitely hate that word but if you're just out there looking to uh, exercise for health and fitness and potentially some weight loss, how would you create the biggest epoch? Well, if you're doing strength training, you'd do big compound movements such as squatting, deadlifting, um, that sort of thing. The things that use multiple muscle groups, multiple compound movements. If you're looking at the upper body, things such as uh, push-ups or bench press, Definitely less musculature used than the squatting and the deadlift, but if you're looking at the upper body, that would be it. Uh, if you're looking at cardiovascular ways of doing it, again, big full body movements. You're going to have more energy burnt uh, for a given time when you're running uh, versus biking versus swimming because of the amount of muscle used, the gravitational dependency, as in when you're running, your body has to fight gravity. When you're biking, it doesn't have to fight as much gravity because you're sitting on a seat and pedaling. Uh, and then swimming, obviously, you're laying flat in the water. So the body doesn't have as much uh, work to do to overcome gravity to supply your body with the oxygen that it needs. Okay, so if you're looking at producing the biggest uh, epoch following exercise, you want to do the most, uh, you want to put yourself in the hurt box as much as you can during the session. So you want to go hard for a moderate amount of time using big full body movements. As your fitness increases, the epoch decreases as well in an absolute sense. So if you get given the same amount of uh, intensity and duration, uh, and then you get fitter and you get given the same amount of thing again, uh, intensity and duration, you are going to have a less of an epoch following that. However, in saying that, the fitter you become, the harder and the longer you can push yourself relatively, or absolutely, sorry, so that all of those relative comparisons end up changing. So often, highly trained athletes have a much greater epoch than uh, less trained people because they're able to dig themselves into that hole if you like they can completely throw their homeostasis upside down as they drive themselves uh, to near death and that's going to result in a bigger epoch following so that's what the deal with epoch is it is a thing but i do believe it's overhyped and oversold and this is why that there's so much nitpicking goes on between sessions. Now, does this session give you a bigger epoch than this session? Or if I do these versus this, 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 it doesn't really matter. The difference is so small because you get a very rapid decrease and then the prolonged component of the epoch, the differences are very small. So rather than nitpicking about what's better, what gives you the biggest one, uh, I would just focus on getting out there and training hard. Uh, and all sessions aren't supposed to give you an epoch. 
if you've got a specific race goal in mind and you're out there doing a technique session, you shouldn't be getting a big uh, epoch following a technique session or a recovery session because the goals of the session aren't to push you hard. Now for your specific case, what I would suggest is trying to do one day on and one day off versus our two on one off model that you have been following. If you're still getting those signs and symptoms of pushing yourself that hard during those high intensity interval sessions, that's not a positive thing I wouldn't say and it's going to take you longer to recover from it so give your body longer to recover. Also take into consideration that you've gone from a history of traditionally weight training to high intensity interval training which are two very different modes and so the time taken to recover will be longer with the new exercise that you're doing because your body isn't conditioned for it. You're making a bigger disturbance in the homeostasis of your body. You need longer for it to bounce back to that baseline. Now I hope that has helped you Rachel and all of the listeners out there. If it hasn't, feel free to flick me through another question or comment on uh, or send me a comment on Facebook and I can expand or go more specifically into different areas. The epoch is a, a big subject. There's a lot of research out there on it. So hopefully the information I've given you is useful but hasn't bogged you down in the details. All right, next question. Now this next question is about shift work and training and shift working is uh, something that I come across a lot with the athletes that I work with and it doesn't have to be a problem. If anything I think it's an advantage when it comes to planning training because you get a lot more time off uh, and with a little bit of juggling you can play it in your advantage. So here's the question from Guy. Matty, thanks for your YouTube channel and podcasts. You're welcome, Guy. Make sure, if you haven't already, go over and subscribe to YouTube because it's not just the podcast that I put up there. There's also other videos, so make sure you get uh, over and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Bit of a side note, sorry. Uh, back to the question. I've used your Time Saver Cycling Plan, and I've just started using your Ride Strong Strength Training Program for Cyclists. And here's my question. Since I, since I work a compressed night shift, he does 12-hour shifts, three consecutive nights one week, and four consecutive nights the next, I find that I don't have time to train on my, night, on my work nights without giving up sleep, which isn't ideal if you're giving up sleep because you need your sleep. Is it possible to adjust my training plan so that I have one training session during my work nights and all the rest during my weekends? Uh, when he says rest, the rest of the training session. He's not resting. Uh, the rest of my training during my weekends and still make games. Also, I find that I'm sore for three days after doing the strength training exercises at the moment. So I try and do my strength work on my first work night so that I'm fresh for the weekend. Thanks in advance for helping me get my training sorted. Awesome, guys. So thanks very much for your question. Now, 
one of the things with um, shift work is, is that sleep is such an important thing and I would highly recommend that you make sure you maintain that sleep for two reasons if you start disrupting your already disrupted sleep cycles as in some days you're trying to sleep during the day other days you're trying to sleep during the night if you disrupt the cycle that you've got going by uh, cutting back on your sleep to fit in training it's a downward spiral that often uh, leads to lots of uh, prolonged chronic fatigue so maintain your sleep cycle is so important get as much sleep as you can because you're already out of your body's normal rhythm of sleep and wake it's really important that you keep on top of some regularity with that can you still make gains training like that in shift work 100% and I've worked with a number of, of lots of shift workers actually uh, across different uh, job requirements and they train extremely well on these shift works so what I would suggest is when you're working your nights I would suggest either doing shorter sessions uh, keep those sessions early in the block so that you can take the days off when you're working later in that work block keep them technique related so that easier you don't have to go out and put a big effort in or alternatively try and get one or two high intensity try and get one high intensity interval session in there and obviously keep those other days as recovery so if you were doing three nights what I would do is try and make your first night shift day a hard session I think you're doing it in the gym at the moment and then you could take the next day as a complete recovery day while you're at work and then potentially do an easier session on that next day just to get the blood flowing to turn the legs over so you don't go too stagnant and then you'd be cracking back into your training block because that would be your first three day cycle on hopefully I'm getting this right and then the following week when you do four consecutive nights I'd do the same thing but on that last day of night shift I would take it off completely off recovery freshen up before you get into the into your weekend so pretty much what you're doing hard session on your first first night or day of the night shift recovery day an easy session now it doesn't have to be anything much uh, an easy jog an easy ride an easy swim uh, a, a stretch uh, a rolling session just something to keep your body moving and getting it back into the swing of things and then either back into training the, the next day or a complete recovery day before you get into your so-called weekend and then obviously when you have your time off that would be the time to throw in those longer and harder sessions so that's something to think about obviously uh, week to week with night shift as well I often find some people can push out longer macro cycles so they can do for example uh, if we've got a normal seven day week we may do a load week and then two load weeks and a recovery week two load weeks and a recovery week 
Now with uh, the way the night shift or the shift work works is you can sometimes fit in more loading phases because you're getting more recovery time. So this allows us to push out, say, a load week, a load week, a load week, and then have a recovery week. Or four load weeks and then another recovery week because we're getting these little micro recovery breaks in there anyway. On the other hand, a lot of people, because the sleep impacts their, uh, their recovery time so much, they may find that they can do less. So you may need to have more recovery in there. And for you, that may look like taking some of your days off uh, when you're off work as well. So you're, you don't have to go to work, uh, but rather than going out and training, you're going to take some recovery during that time. So it may be two of your days off work become recovery days just for that specific week and some easier sessions on the other days to let you freshen up before cracking back into it. So there is, there's a hundred different ways to do it and it just depends on how you're finding it. But if in doubt and if you're tired and sore and not coping, more recovery is the answer. Because if you keep thrashing it, then you're gonna keep digging yourself into the hole. Remember, more is not always better and you can always be a little smarter about how you do things. Now, as you pointed out, you're feeling a little bit sore after the first block of strength training. Perfect to do it uh, early in that working phase so that you have the next couple of shifts to recover from it so you're ready to crack into it. Also, if you integrated that uh, session on your third working day, uh, that easy session, whether it be an easy run, I'm looking at your profile picture here on Facebook, you've got a bike in it, if it's an easy ride or an easy roll and stretch in the gym, that will help with that soreness as well, just getting that blood moving uh, to help clear out your lymphatic system and also get you know your muscles moving again, so to speak. Uh, so try that as well, I think that will go a long way to helping things as well. So guy mate, I hope that helps answer your question. Let me know if it doesn't. Uh, feel free to fire me through any follow-up questions or clarification points. Always happy to help. If anyone else there, if anyone else out there has any questions they'd like me to answer, feel free to fire them through to me on Facebook, on email or ideally as a voice question over at exponentialperformancecoaching.com slash ask. If you send me through a voice question, I will send you a free copy of the Performance Temple Handbooks so you can look through those. So there you have it. So get out there this week, train hard, but most importantly train smart, and I'll talk to you next week.